Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and boy oh boy, have I found out exactly how much I can handle for Dragon Con. Uh, I, I will not say I've bitten off more than I can chew, but I have absolutely bitten off exactly as much as I can possibly manage to chew. And I think I might have said that a couple of years now, but but this year, with I, I think eleven different activities, including the game show, which is obviously much, 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 much more of a task than just showing up and talking about Night Rider or something. Uh, I, I my my slate is full. My cup almost runneth over, uh, but but I'm here. It's an odd time for me because I'm recording this before I go into work because there is literally no other time that I can possibly record it before Dragon Con. Now, this is a special Wednesday episode. I started this last year because I realized if I put the episode up on Friday during Dragon Con, nobody that's going to Dragon Con is going to listen to it because we're already there. So it's a special Wednesday episode so that everybody can get on board the old puppet train. That's right. Today's guest is Mr. Bo Brown, and he's going to run down exactly what's happening this weekend with the puppetry track, which I, I don't think it's out of line to say is the most inclusive and all-encompassing track at Dragon Con. And that's not, you know, that's not in any way saying anything uh, negative about the other tracks, but puppetry reaches into every aspect of, of uh, genre and, and fandom. I, I just feel like it's everywhere in a way that, say, Knight Rider isn't. Uh, it, it can it can be a part of literally almost any other trap track except maybe like the skeptics track. Uh, I I don't know if they I, I, there's not a hand in that puppet. I don't think I don't know. Uh, so anyway, uh, that that's what's going on today on this special Wednesday episode talking to Mister Bo Brown. Now I want to hit on a couple of things before I get into the conversation. Uh, I I do need to wrap this thing up because I am going to work in just a couple hours here, but. You know, we, we do what we can because we love Dragon Con. And, uh, I, speaking of loving Dragon Con, I, I haven't given enough love to DCW happening Thursday night, the very first official event of Dragon Con. Now, I am the ring announcer, commentator, the voice of DCW. I have been there every year for many years now and actively taking part for the last few. I love it. It's the greatest wrestling event of the year. Uh, I know that we've got a couple of people who have, have never seen DCW before and one who's never even seen a live wrestling event before. They're going to be showing up this year, and they're going to have the best time they've ever had. But I haven't been putting DCW over enough because it's not... On my schedule, it's DCW is kind of its own thing. We're almost like this renegade faction of Dragon Con that they know is really popular, but in some ways they don't want to acknowledge. 
Uh, so it's, it's kind of like they just say, okay, AJ, Mrs. Tiny, here's your time slot. We're, we're going to put you on the schedule. You just do what you want and don't, we don't want to know about it. But don't smash any lucky charms into the carpet. We can't do that. No more lucky charms. And that's, that's your rules. Now go. So I'm not listed as part of DCW, but I am there. I will be there uh, yelling into a microphone for three hours straight, which is a great way to start off a weekend where you're going to have roughly 12 to 13 hours of speaking time going on. But hey, it's what I do. So please show up for DCW Dragon Con Wrestling, the very best wrestling you can see all year long. I guarantee you will not see a more entertaining live wrestling show in your life than a DCW show at 7 p.m. in the Hyatt Centennial Ballroom. So be there uh, or watch it uh, while you're checking in and, and getting your, your room all set up on DragonCon TV. I don't know a whole lot about this streaming thing uh, because I, I won't be doing it because I've I much at Dragon. Had our pal Crispy on. Crispy could have told us about streaming. But anyway, if you go to DragonCon.org, I'm sure you can find out everything you might want to know about streaming. But DragonCon Wrestling will be streaming as well. So you can uh, sit at home and, and watch online as the most talented independent athletes in the world compete just for your entertainment. This isn't for storylines. This is purely these guys going out there to have a great time and to make sure everybody in that ballroom and everybody watching at home is having a great time. So there you go, DCW. I'm super proud to be part of it. it is, uh, I, I cannot think of a better way to kick off Dragon Con. And uh, it's, it's this year, it's going to be big. And then one other thing I wanted to nail down, uh, I had a, some, a little bit of conversation with Mike Gordon about one particular panel. That panel has been ironed out. We know exactly what's happening now. And that panel is The Horror of Kane. Kane talks about his lead role in the Sino Evil movies as well as the sinister side of his wrestling career. I am very proud of this because this is literally my baby child. I this was I had this idea for this panel. I said we've got Kane here. We got to get him to talk about horror for the horror track, and I will be moderating this panel with uh, Mr. Glenn Jacobs, possible future mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, and uh, best known as well as both Jacob Goodnight and as the Big Red Machine, Kane. So I, I will be preceding him through Hellfire and Brimstone to moderate this panel Saturday at 1 p.m. in the Hyatt International North. So, And that's right next to where the game show will be Saturday night at midnight, the Hyatt International South. So I'll be spending a little bit of time. Lots, lots of ballroom for me this year. Plenty of ballroom. All right, I'm not going to put my stuff over this week. I'll do that when we come back next week with the first of many, many Dragon Con panels that I will be posting as Needless Things Podcast. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure where they're all going to go because I'm going to run out of time before we get to Halloween. So I've I've got to figure, figure that out somehow or other. I don't know how that's going to work. We'll see. But anyway, until then... Everybody, please have a happy and wonderful Dragon Con. Uh, if you see me, uh, please say hello. Remember that the mask does not have peripheral vision at all. So I may not see you. 
So please say hi, tell me who you are, and we'll have a beer if I have time, which I won't, but I'll be very, very happy to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bo Brown! Dragon Con, it is right on top of us. Uh, I, I'm going to use this quote again, even though I used it two episodes ago. Uh, a very intelligent man, Clay Gilbert, a friend of the horror track, said that Dragon Con is always either a year away or tomorrow. And I am feeling that, and I am sure that today's guest is feeling that. Mr. Bo Brown, do you feel like Dragon Con is tomorrow? Uh, yes. Depending depending on when this episode posts, Dragon Con might, might be. be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, Tanum. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. I'm very excited uh, about that. Well, all all these I've enjoyed all these uh, Dragon Con episodes tremendously, but obviously the Puppetry Track episode is a uh, has a special place in my heart. Oh, thanks, man. So what? Uh, let's talk about what's happening this year. Uh, with the puppetry track, and I, I'm, sure. obviously there there is one sp- or I, well two two items depending on how you look at it. One specific item that I'm I'm super duper excited about, but we'll we'll get to that. We'll take this at your pace. My pace, okay. Well, what do we uh, open? The track with? is, you know, the track the track is very different depending on what year it is. Right. In the sense that the National Puppet Slam happens in conjunction with Dragon Con every two years. Right. So on the years that the uh, the National Puppet Slam is not at the Center for Puppetry Arts, that's because it's at the National Puppetry Conference or the Natural Puppetry National Puppetry Festival, sorry. That's put on by our organization, Puppeteers of America. So I did that in July and did the National Puppet Slam there. So what that means is that on the years that it's at the Center for Puppetry Arts during Dragon Con means I have to physically leave the convention, go over to the Center for Puppetry Arts with, with a big section of the people that are in that show who are also my Dragon Con people, and we have to go put on that show Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right. This is not one of those years. So it means that I am more free to A – Double book my programming. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, uh, that's what you choose to do with your time. Because that's what I choose to do. And B, it means that I have more time to try to enjoy the rest of the convention because I'm not – my attention is not as divided. Um, I don't have to be as on, like, you know, on still on Saturday, even, you know, before the Puppet Slam. I, I've got to get up there and host this show in a tuxedo you know, on stage at the Center for Puppetry Arts. So, right, right. Um, you know, that that requires a great deal of restraint on my <laughs> part, <laughs> I think is the word, um, to, to be able to, to be able to, you know, to get up there and do that. Because it's not easy, as a host yourself, you know, you need you need to be on your A game. Well, you got to be in the zone. And, you, you've yeah. got to be. And if when you're... When you're doing things with different tones, different feels, different levels of, of, I'll just say silliness. Right. Or not. Like, that's, that's a major shift in your, your like persona. 
Big time. Yeah, there's a huge difference between me in the tuxedo introducing the finest acts of puppetry in the country, you know, at the Center of Puppetry Arts to me hiding behind the playboard and, you know, hosting the Puppet Slam with Matt. <laughs> right, you know, with right. Bob and Carl. That's very different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and to, to be perfectly honest, especially on the years when I, when I am hosting the National Slam, when we get or when we get in there for the puppet slam at Dragon Con, I'm just like Matt, you, you go, just go. I'll, I'll follow your lead. I'm pretty spent by by Sunday um, with all the extra stress that the National Slam is. Right. Um, and thankfully, that's kind of the way Matt and I's comedic relationship works. Is you know he's the funny man, I'm the straight man, and I can just pretty much let Matt go. And Matt's a you know a machine. Right. Right. So he just gets up there and just runs with it, and all I do is respond to everything that he does. You know, whatever crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff he thinks up with, I just respond. You know, as the straight man with Carl, and it all works out. And it but, does uh, all so work this out. Is one of those years where that is not the case, and so I can enjoy the convention a little more. I can. Um, Let me just tell you, there's this game show that you should totally go to. I'm. Planning there, there is a couple of things that I that on a that on a national slam year I probably wouldn't be able to do um, that I'm going to make a, a, a concerted effort to do so this year. Um, game show, uh, of course, being one of them. So now um, I understand that that you know since I since I'm not helping out with the game show, uh, that means I got to stand in line just like everybody else, and that is that's the way it is. So you know uh, I will get over there as soon as I can, and uh, hopefully I will get a good seat because I want to see. That um, hilarious shenanigans. It's it's this year uh, our our guiding uh, theme was extra ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> All right. So uh, as far as the track this year is concerned, um, one of our focuses this year was to sort of get away from the kind of Muppety stuff. And really go and celebrate sort of the creature effects world. Um, and so to that to that extent, we I've I've got more guests that also fall into um, the Star Wars track, the horror track uh, than than in previous years. You know, last year we we were very fortunate to have um, Brian Herring and Dave Chapman of BB-8 from Star Wars, and that was kind of like us really kind of dipping our toe into getting involved with guests that while they are puppetry guests obviously fit very firmly into another track. Right. Like Star Wars. Well, uh, and in, this year we've general, kind of doubled down on that. In general, is it is it sort of advan- advantageous as far as getting guests to do something that has or, or to get people that have some overlap like that? Um it's it's different. Because of the way that I operate as a track director, which I think we probably talked about this on previous podcasts about it, but um, I'm a very proactive track director. Mm-hmm. I get, I get, I get guests. I contact these these companies. I get in touch with their agents, and I bring people to. I convince people basically to come to DragonCon. Um, for my track, and and usually that's because I have because I know them personally, right? Or I have some sort of connection to them in the industry. Um, you know, like I know a lot of people on Sesame Street. That's why I've been able to get these Sesame Street guests in the past. 
Um, you know, traditionally, the way the DragonCon guests work is that that guest or that guest agent contacts the convention, not the other way around. Right, right. Um, and says, hey, we think this would be a good thing because my person wants to come sign autographs or whatever. Or it's or it's a really big, big level guest like the big TV show actors, the big movie actors. And in those cases, the convention is reaching out to those people, not the, not a track director. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's guest, that's guest operations. Um, so I operate a little differently. And so I will say that it's much easier when I don't have to share a guest. Um, you know, this year I'm sharing with Horror Track, I'm sharing with American Sci-Fi Classics, I'm sharing with Star Wars, and just from, you know, one of the perspective of, like, if you want something done right, do it yourself, you know, or um, just keeping track of everything, of details and things like that, uh, it's a lot easier when I keep the guests contained within my track, right, and I know right. everything that they're doing. yeah. It does get a little dicey when, you know, someone's part of another track and the way that I operate is different. And so they don't really know uh, – and other track directors just operate differently than I do. They all operate differently in their own way. And so it's – it's so you end up dealing with a guest who's dealing with different track directors who have different styles of directing their track. And it's, it's harder to keep track of everything. Because you, because other track directors are making decisions that you're you don't necessarily know about. Like right. with all my guests, I know their schedule because I created their schedule. And when I share guests, that get that track director might need to move that guest, and they might move them in such a way that then complicates my plans. Um, and that's rare, but it does happen, and it's just part of the extra uh, sort of complications of you know having having guests that you, you are sharing with other directors. So and, the and fact that you are kind of like the headhunter guy, you're, you're out there looking for the guests mm-hmm. actually does make the job a little bit easier than just sort of being assigned like, Hey, this guest would be good for you and maybe five other people. So this year it kind of is like a standard, like as Absolutely. far as what you're it, dealing it's with. A, it's much easier because I have so much more time. Right. Right. You know, like I have so much more time. Like I start working on the track in January you know, yeah. so whereas other track directors, if they have guests that decide they want to come to the convention, they only get that confirmation, you know, a month, two months out of the convention, you know, away from the convention. Yeah. And they have to create all their programming and that, you know, I work on my programming all year. I know what my people are going to do because I've talked to them over the phone and said, hey, what do you want to do? Rather than the way that most tracks work where – you, you basically you look at the guest list of people that that are coming to DragonCon. They fall into your category, and then you have to make up programming and hope that that guest wants to do it. And then DragonCon guest operations says, "Okay, here's your schedule," and that's the first time they see it. And then they go, oh, "Okay, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that." Or yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Whereas when I create programming with a guest, I, cre- I literally get on the phone with that guest and I'm like, what do you want to do? And that's where all that information comes from. Like, I don't think I could, I, I can't imagine what it's like to try to build the track in two months. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. You know? 
So I, I work on it all year. I get all my, you know, I get my people figured out and, and then, uh, you know, I get on the phone with them like the Kyoto, the, the, the Kyoto brothers. I had my call with them and I'm like, all right, well, here's what I was thinking, you know, and we did that four months ago, five months ago. Uh, and so I knew what they were doing. Um, and they knew what they were doing. And then they get an email from DragonCon that basically says, well, here's all the stuff you're doing. And, 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 you know, three quarters of which they recognize because it's stuff that we talked about. And the other quarter of it is stuff that other tracks have said, Hey, we want to do this with this person. And they've, they've never seen it. And it's all brand new at that point to them. So that can make things, you know, and, and a lot of times they'll say no. So Whereas I was... wouldn't, I wouldn't start from a place of thinking uh, of being like, well, there's a chance this this artist is going to say no to this because I've talked to them about it. Right, right, right. So, so, you're, so anyway, you're so that's definitely so, not taking the traditional Dragon Con approach to guests. Me, no, not so much. But, um, but that is, and I had no idea. You know, it's not like you get like a book. Or, or really like a mentorship when <laughs> you, you start get, this job. You're basically just like sort of thrown into it. It's like, all right, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and so I did what I did. I did it and I learned the way that I would do it by, you know, having people who I knew in the industry and, you know, calling them and emailing them and be like, hey, I've got, you know, what do you think about this? Um, yeah, I can't imagine just like two months out being like, all right, I have to use these people that I don't even know. Um, it's wild. So, but we have a very wide variety in the track this year, uh, which I think is is definitely one of its strengths. We have really strong actual puppet shows. Obviously, it's very important to me as the puppetry track to put on puppet shows. Yes. <laughs> Whoa, right? Um, <laughs> so, so we have, I think, six or seven very strong puppet shows this year, both for children and adults. Um I think we have three kids shows and four adult shows, and I'm excited about all of them. Uh, and then we have a really wide variety of guests um, from Creature Effects folks and uh, back to we do have some Henson Sesame Sesame folks coming. Um, it's a huge year for my dear friend Stacy Gordon. This is her her real kind of like super year. Well, she's Business I mean she is a that, guest. Yeah, she has since been a pro. Uh, up till this year, and this year she graduated to guest because um, she is now uh, a main, you know, one of the characters uh, on Sesame Street. She plays Julia, the new character that uh, is on the autism spectrum. And, you know, Stacy's journey, you know, I've known about, you know, Stacy's auditions and, and things like that, which is all like super, you know, super top secret um, leading up to it, and just had to sort of keep it under my hat. Um, as a friend. Right. And now, you know, she's on the cover of Phoenix magazine, you know, uh, and, and has, re- you know, blown up with, with, uh, this, this amazing new character. And part of that journey that Stacy went on from being a second generation puppeteer, having her own puppet making business, See, and uh, I, I didn't realize she was a second-generation puppeteer, and, and hopefully we will have uh, her on very soon to, to talk about all Well, of she might not be a second-generation. I, I think maybe her grandfather was a puppeteer, but it, but it, it runs in the family. Right, it's, right. She's not just um, – and this was what was you know 
really uh, unfortunate about the way that a lot of the press for her shook out was a lot of the press headlines were, you know, mother of autistic son gets job on Sesame Street. Right, right. And it's not that Stacy is a mother that got her this job. It's that Stacy is a puppeteer. Yeah. And that, I think, was really lost. And it was very important to me to give Stacy the platform to tell her story in a way that makes people understand that this was not something that happened to her because her son has autism. Mm-hmm. This is something that, as a gifted puppeteer and as a student of our craft, she was able to bring extra insight to because of her son. Well, and I, I, you know, uh, to anybody that has seen her perform, that's apparent. Because, I mean, right. I, I have now been watching her at Dragon Con for years, mm-hmm. and she's been one of my favorite parts of your programming uh, since the first time I saw her do Puppet Improv. But yeah. she, she does so much more than that. Absolutely. Uh, but, but she is tremendously gifted uh, as a puppeteer and as a performer. Yeah, so I think that um, I hope that you get a chance to have her on the show, and uh, and you know she's one of my favorite people. I know so many people out in Phoenix now that when when I do go out there to perform, you know I have this huge you know sort of fan, puppet family out there um, between Stacy and then all the puppeteers of the Greater Arizona Puppet Theater, who I'm I'm close with. Um, it's it's a really great place to go visit. Um, to just be surrounded by, you know, talented people who I absolutely adore. Um, but let's dive. Let's you want to dive into this programming? I think it's time. All right. So uh, as as was started for the first time last year, we are continuing the Labyrinth Masquerade Ball at the Center for Puppetry Arts. Uh, so that is the first thing that happens uh, related to the puppetry track. Um, you know, the, the Labyrinth Ball was uh, my little brainchild over at the center in the marketing department and was probably one of the most financially successful events, both um, both in the fact that it that it we sold out uh, and we had no I mean, we you know, the center, we, we weren't really doing this kind of stuff before. And between the fact that it sold out and got a huge amount of press it was very, very successful. So. Uh, we all would be a good idea to do it again. So we are doing it again. Um, and it'll be bigger and better than last year. Uh, there are different tiers. Now it is, it is all sold out at this point. Um, it did not sell out immediately like last year because the ticket prices were a little higher. Uh, and that's based on the fact that it takes a lot of, of work and stuff to transform the center into the ball. Sure. Uh, as well as, you know, bringing in the guests um, and just the the fact that we are limited by the fire codes of how many tickets we can sell. So that's what drives the price up. I mean, if I could charge, you know, $20 a ticket and I could fit 500 people in that atrium at the center, that's what we would do. Well, anybody that's familiar with Dragon Con is familiar with fire codes and their limitations. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we, we are very limited in, in the just the, the sheer number, just the, the flat-out number of people that we can put in the building. 
and that is a big source of why the ticket price is so high is that, you know, the, the event costs a lot to produce and we can only sell so many tickets. So the ticket price has to reflect, um, you know, that. Right. So, uh, but it's going to be an awesome year. Um, this year we created other ticket tiers. So this year there's also a VIP ticket that you gets you in an hour early for, uh, an open bar cocktail hour with our special guests. Uh, this year, those special guests, you ready for some, some, some drops? Yeah, man. What you got? All right. So this year we've got Mr. Tim Clark, who is a big, big friend of the podcast. Yes. We got Mr. Tim Clark. We have, uh, Marty Robinson from Sesame Street, who has been announced. He plays Mr. Snuffleupagus, Telly Monster, and Slimy the Worm on Sesame Street. Tremendous. His lovely wife, Annie Evans who is a writer on Sesame Street, and they actually, Marty and Annie met on on the show, uh, fell in love, and were married on the set. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's a really great story. Um, we have Toby Froud, the son of Brian and Wendy Froud, the, you know, the yes, exceptionally yes. famous uh, fantasy illustrators, the Frouds, uh, who also was the baby in labyrinth labyrinth yeah he was baby toby and and this is breaking news this this will not be announced through dragon con uh and has not been announced from the center but i'm so i'm giving you the scoop on this Ooh, all right what do you got so as part of when we started doing these vip tickets we were like all right we need to make because the vip tickets were 300 dollars a piece mm-hmm. that's a hef- that's a heavy price tag yeah and yeah, so we sure. were like all right yeah, you get an hour with the special guests, but we need to really like, how do we make this worth it? How do, how do we make people not, you know, like we really wanted to blow people away with what they got. Mm-hmm. So what we have done is we got in touch with, um, past puppetry track guest Karen Falk over at the Henson Archives. Yes. She's the Henson lead archivist. Lovely. I love Karen Falk. She's awesome. Um, and we got some very, very high quality, uh, scans of the first piece of art that was produced for Labyrinth. Really? So what this is is it's and it's a, it's a piece that we have um, that's part of our archives, but we didn't have the, the we didn't really have the technology to scan it. Um, so the the Henson Archives had archival footage of it, and we got it from them. So what it is 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 it's the it's baby Toby sitting uh, surrounded by goblins. So this is an original Brian Froud piece that was created oh my before gosh. Toby was conceived. Huh? So this is a piece of art that was based on a conversation that Jim Henson and Brian Froud had in a limousine when they were first conceptualizing the Labyrinth film, and then and then Brian went off and he created this this piece of art that was the first real sort of concept art fully you know realized piece right so we have done prints of that thanks to the, our friends at the Henson archives we then shipped those prints to Brian Froud in England and he autographed all of them whoa shipped them back and everyone with a VIP ticket is getting one of those prints and they are an extremely limited number sure like, yeah like, there's a really limited number of these things. <laughs> uh, and everyone who has a VIP ticket or above gets one of these things. That's fantastic. 
Uh, if you win the costume contest, if you get first, second, or third prize, you get one of these prints. Oh, nice. We also created what we sort of called our ultra VIP tickets, where um, we we kind of wanted to create something that along sort of the idea, like the idea of like a prom king and prom queen, mm-hmm. like like super ultra VIP ticket. Yeah. And what that kind of evolved into is we ended up doing two pairs of tickets called the seat at the Goblin King's table tickets, and we auctioned them off. Uh, the auction started for each pair of tickets. The auction started at a thousand dollars, and one pair went for thirteen hundred, and the other pair went for fourteen hundred. Those people get thrones. They get a goblin servant to uh, feed to bring them bottomless food and bottomless alcohol all evening, and they got to get they got to do they got to pick a song. So, like, if they want to do like a spotlight dance, um, they got they got to pick a song, and they get a okay, special cool, cool. designated time. Um, and their their gift packages that include lots of other things besides the print are pretty nuts. It's been my job to create these gift bags at the center, and um, I gotta say, it's pretty pretty amazing. The the stuff that I've managed to get into these bags is pretty nuts. Um, so, if you are one of the VIP ticket holders, if you win the costume contest, or if you're one of the ultra VIP ticket holders, I guarantee you that you're going to walk away from this party with more amazing Labyrinth and Dark Crystal stuff than you could possibly dream. But it is all sold out, so anybody listening, uh, yeah. basically, this is just to make you really insanely jealous. Make you very insanely jealous, and hey, it's pretty awesome. Check out what we do next year. And make sure you get a ticket. That's right. Be ready for it. So then the other, our other guest who I have not announced yet, uh, is, uh, Lisa Henson. So Lisa will be at the ball. She is the, with, with having Lisa at Dragon Con, um, we will have completed the set. At this point, we will have had all of Henson's living children as guests at Dragon Con, uh, after Lisa. Which is absolutely tremendous. Yes, we're very excited. What they've done to carry on their father's legacy, uh, that, that's really impressive. Well, and not just what Lisa as a guest has done, you know, to, with her father's legacy, but she's also an incredible, uh, person in her own right. You know, she was one of the first, um, female presidents of National Lampoon magazine. Um, uh, you know, she, uh, is, was an executive director on films that had nothing to do with puppets. Um, and has, you know, is now the CEO of the Jim Henson company, but has had a career that she really kind of stepped out of her father's shadow, did her own thing, um, and has had a, a huge career, uh, in TV and film as, uh, as a producer and, and executive producer. And I think she's got a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. Um, and so, uh, after the Labyrinth Ball, when programming starts on Friday, we're kicking things off with the Lisa Henson panel called Lisa Henson Creating Characters That Last. So this will talk about the Henson's approach to story, character driven, character driven storytelling, um, and sort of the projects that she's been a part of that she is still producing today, uh, and how sort of Henson's, Henson's approach to character building. And that's kind of been a theme through a lot of the programming this year is, different artists talking about their approach to characters because that's really what puppetry allows you to do. It allows you to create 
characters that go beyond the scope of of humans. Um, and so we have several panels that are about individual artists' approach to creating characters. Once you take that human cap off of your ability to create, the, you know the sky's the limit. Right. And so we're gonna have a variety of artists talk about that. So uh, moving on from Lisa's opening panel, then we have the Extreme Puppet Makeover panel. So this is part of our endeavor to embrace the people who come to DragonCon who bring their own puppets. So uh, we've got a panel of, of an incredible panel of professional puppet builders, including uh, folks like Toby Froud, including folks like Martin Robinson from Sesame Street, Tim Clark, Stacey Gordon, Mike Horner, um, Dana Samborski, who works at Animax in Nashville, uh, Lion Hill, who's the artistic director of the Columbia Marionette Theater. Um, bring your puppets. We're going to pair you up with professional puppet builders, and they're going to give you constructive criticism uh, on on your puppet. And that that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, even when I go to puppet festivals, you don't get something like that. You don't right. get one on one with another puppet builder and your puppet. That just that kind of stuff doesn't happen. That's something yeah. that is very unique to what we do here at DragonCon. Well, it's I mean, it would be like going to a comic convention and having Jim Lee. Exactly. Tell you how to improve your work. Right. And it would be like you and Jim Lee and like maybe two or three other artists. Right. You know. Um, so what you would, what you'll do is you'll get into little tiny groups. We, you know, we probably, you know, we divide everybody up evenly. So it'll probably be like two or three amateurs with one professional. And then we out, when then we switch, it's like speed dating. So you'll get to work with one person and then we'll call, you know, call for a switch and everybody will move and you'll get a whole another professional's perspective. That's awesome. It's incredible opportunity for for amateur puppet builders out there. Um, in a, so then, moving on from that, in addition to Marty's work on Sesame Street, he's also been heavily influential in all of the productions of Little Shop of Horrors, the stage show. So Marty's going to talk all about what it takes to bring the world's most famous carnivorous plant to life on stage. Oh wow! So that'll be Little Shop of Horrors bringing Audrey Two to life um, Friday at one o'clock. Then we move into the Froud way of bringing characters to life. Son of legendary fantasy artist Brian and Wendy Froud, Toby will share his insight into character creation as an artist himself. So if you want to hang out with Toby Froud, this is uh, a great panel to get uh, Toby's interpretation of character design um, and also sort of you know get some insight into how his, his, his parents design characters. Uh, after that, we're doing something a little different. Um... So this is called Do or Do Not, There Is No Try, a discussion on following your dreams. So one of the guests that we have is Mr. Nick uh, Nick Malley, who uh, was part of both uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And he worked was on the team that, that created uh, the Yoda puppet as well as uh, the Cantina creatures. So this panel is sort of like a motivational talk because uh, Nick grew up in public housing and sort of – you know, sort of dug himself out of poverty through his art. Uh, and so here's – this is a sort of talk about what it's like to follow your dreams and achieve success and things like that. So uh, something sort of different than what we normally do in the puppet track, but I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, we hope that a lot of Star Wars folks and any, anybody who's interested in, you know, what it's like to become, um, you know, uh, uh, an artist that's paid for your work should come and check it out. Yeah, and I think that's uh, – that's really smart because I think a key part of, of keeping your track interesting is kind of broadening 
you know, it's it's still within the the confines of, of what the puppetry track covers. But this is the kind of thing that, like you said, anybody could show up for. Yes, you do, you definitely don't have to have an interest in puppetry to come and enjoy what what Nick has to say here. Uh, after that is our first puppet show. Hooray! Um, so this is an all ages show. It's at Friday at two thirty in International North, um, in in the Hyatt, and it is Milo the Magnificent. And oh man, if you remember from Slams a couple of years ago, Alex Vernon and Sarah Olmstead have uh, two shorter pieces. There's Milo doing a magic act and Milo doing a science act. Uh, and since th- since that since they were accepted at DragonCon, since they were accepted at the National Slam, they performed at the National Puppetry Festival. They have since received a Jim Henson Foundation grant to turn Milo into a full length show. And we at DragonCon have the incredible gift of being some of the first people to see the full length Milo the Magnificent show. Um, I recommend anyone absolutely. I mean, like if I. I'm going to recommend a lot of things in the track. <laughs> I think you but recommend if you want everything to go see on the track. A puppet show that's going to blow the crap clear out of your ass. Go see this show. This show is fantastic. And, everything and that these that these Alex and Sarah do is amazing. I cannot wait to see what they've added to the show. Um, if you're really looking for something that you know, uh, I mean, we have Mike's Star Wars show and his Doctor Who show. But if you're looking for a puppet show that isn't necessarily like in the geek genre, but is still an incredibly impressive feat of, of puppetry and theater, this is the show. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Even though I have a, a panel uh, at the same time as this one, I will say anybody who looks at what I'm doing at that point and is like, eh, I don't know if I'm that interested in that, go see Milo the Magnificent. I absolutely fell in love with this because you, you sent me a link on yeah. YouTube, I think it was two years ago, uh, to the Magic Show, mm-hmm. and it blew my mind. And I, I unfortunately have not had the opportunity to see Milo live, and and still will not this year. But uh, man, I I really really would love to, and I think anybody listening uh, should definitely check it out if you can. Yes. Uh, after that, the one of the you know weirdest and best things in the puppetry track, the Magic Puppet Tea Party, yes. Friday at tea time at four o'clock. Um, Stacy uh, will be our wonderful hostess of the Magic Puppet Tea Party. Um, it is puppets only. You are not allowed through the door if you do not have a puppet. Um, this is not, you know, the 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 idea behind this event. And the spirit of this event is for amateur puppeteers to interact in character with professional puppeteers. While we do not turn children away, we do do it on Friday for a reason. Because there are fewer children uh, at the convention on Friday. Right. We don't turn if – tro- if a kid has a puppet, absolutely, come on in, have a great time. But it's not intended to be something where kids are just sort of running around the room with puppets – it's for amateur puppeteers to learn by osmosis, interacting in character with professional puppeteers. Right. The idea is to have a setting and a scenario where they can get into their characters and have right. a, sort of a specific uh, act to to play in. Right. Now, obviously, when you call something a Magic Puppet Tea Party, 
<laughs> kids want to come. Uh, right, and we right. get it, and 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 we support that. But the real the real benefit to people is the benefit to those amateur puppet puppeteers, um, and that's really that's really who we want to benefit from this. Um, obviously, kids are welcome if they have a puppet, but it is not like, hey, drop your kids off. It's not a babysitting service. Um, you know, uh, it is definitely something for amateur puppeteers. Uh, kids are welcome. Please keep an eye on your kids if they yeah, do come. Right, right. Right. Uh, after that, it's a conversation with Lisa Henson. So this will be sort of like a little chat, you know, two chairs, some ferns, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, chatting with, with Lisa Henson sort of about growing up, uh, you know, with her father's company as well as her own career. Um, working on movies like Batman, Men in Black, um, things like that. Um, so come and check that out. It's going to be uh, real interesting to sort of just l- listen to Lisa talk about, you know, um, her her incredible career. After that, we have an autograph session in A703. A703 is the room next to the puppetry track. It's a smaller room. It's where we did a lot of the secret shows last year. Um, which we're not doing this year. We're not doing any secret shows this year. All the puppet shows are on the actual schedule. So uh, we just changed it up. Uh, we just put the shows in, in the actual schedule this year. Um, so it'll be an autograph session with Mr. Marty Robinson. So Marty will have some stuff to sign, bring anything, you know, bring your pictures of telly or uh, uh, whatever it is or, or Snuffleupagus that you want to sign. He'll be there. He'll also have some stuff that you can get from him if you don't have something on your own. Uh, after that, we have our first Kyoto Brothers panel. So uh, the Kyoto Brothers, um, in you know, part of our uh, you know intent to uh, do Henson stuff, but also do other stuff. So the Kyoto Brothers have been in the business for a really long time, making science fiction films and horror films, uh, and this is their characters panel. So the Kyoto Brothers to bring fantastic characters to life, which is the sort of um, that's the, the motto of their company. Uh, to bring fantastic characters to life. So the three brothers, Charles, Stephen, and Edward, will uh, talk about sort of their approach to their work, and they will also share some of their favorite never-produced work that has not seen public light. So if you want to see some really, really cool stuff uh, that has never been seen before, if you're a fan of Killer Cons from Outer Space or the Critters movies, which I'm a fan of both, um, come to, if you're a fan of the Large Marge sequence from Pee-wee's Big Adventure... Uh, come check that out. They'll also talk about project development and the presentation packet. So sort of like if you want to know what it's like pitching movies to Hollywood, it'll be kind of like half them talking about, um, you know, their work and showing some cool stuff that has never been seen before, as well as just sort of like the reality of the business. So if you're interested in what it takes to get something, you know, to get a movie made in Hollywood, this would be a really good uh, panel for you to attend. Very cool. Yeah. Um, then we have our first Dark Crystal panel, uh, expanding the world through publishing. So Lisa will talk about how Dark Crystal has lived on since the movie uh, through comics, young adult novels, and more. So they'll talk about all the cool stuff that um, Dark, Dark Crystal has been doing in print. After that is Phantom's panel. Yes. In the puppetry track. Phantom moderating my, a panel on the puppetry track. My first official panel for the puppetry track. That's right. I'm very excited. Well, why don't you talk about it? Okay. It's uh, Dark uh, Crystal making the mystics. For, former Needless Things podcast guest, uh, Timothy Clark, 
is a guest, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and he he's, first of all, a tremendous guy. I'm very excited to meet him in person, but he had a, a history with Jim Henson Company and was a major part of the creature design in The Dark Crystal. So I will be sitting down with him and discussing pretty much everything that he did for the Dark Crystal, which encompasses quite a bit of, of stuff. And we'll probably end up talking about uh, how he got in with Henson and a little bit of his backstory as well, because I always like to sort of set up, uh, you know, how how did you get this job? Where did it come from? And then we'll kind of get into the, the, the grit and the details uh, of how all these wonderful designs happen. And by the way, for the listeners, if you're not following uh, Timothy Clark on Instagram, you should be because he puts up incredible behind-the-scenes stuff about his creature design uh, and, and just uh, all kinds of cool stuff from the actual production of Dark Crystal. Uh, it's it's fascinating. It's one of my favorite Instagram feeds. Fantastic. And that that is, well... The last time I had it was Friday, eight thirty PM in uh in the puppetry track room, which is Marriott A seven oh four. And that is still correct. Okay, good. Now the <laughs> downside is that unfortunately to accommodate I think your schedule, Phantom, we that's where we moved that panel to. And it is now opposite Stacy's Sesame Street panel. Mm. Which is gonna be a tough choice for people. It's um, a tough choice but- for me. Yeah, well, you you have to be there, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, but uh, so, unfortunately, due to scheduling issues, uh, opposite of that will be Stacy Gordon's from Dragon Con to Sesame Street panel, where Stacy will talk about what it was like joining the cast of Sesame Street in 2016 as Julia, uh, as well as how um, you know being a part of Dragon Con was part of that journey to getting on Sesame Street, which is just you know a something I am incredibly proud to have been a part of. Um, and not only finding, you know, being a small part of what has brought, you know, Stacy a great deal of professional success, but that now that the puppetry track has really officially achieved one of my dreams, mm-hmm. which was that people who come to puppeteers, who are part of the puppetry track that it will be, that it will be a benefit to your career. Uh, that, that was some, that's always been a dream of mine that, yeah. that someday that, that, you know, someone's going to look back and be like, man, it really was because I went to dragon con and the puppetry track that this happened to me. And to be even a small part of, of, of that journey of Stacy's journey just means the world to me. And I am, I am, just over the moon that I get to, you know, host Stacy and and have been part of that journey for her. So after that, I'm a little get I'm getting a little emotional. Uh, <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, it's because it, I've I've had, like I said, I've had the opportunity to to see uh, her her growth and and how you guys have interacted, and it's it's been. I mean, I've seen a lot of special things out of the puppetry track, so it's no surprise to me that something this cool has happened. That panel will also be moderated by Mr. Marty Robinson, so um, it'll be—it's really cool to have Marty, who you know met Stacy on the set, kind of talk, you know, because he's witnessed it all firsthand, right? 
from you know from the beginning, uh, not from the beginning, but from when she started on Sesame Street. Um, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so then we've got our first adult show. That's Friday at ten o'clock. Solitary Stories with Mr. Lion Hill. Um, a mesmerizing one-man show from puppeteer Lion Hill using everything from paper cutouts to carved wooden marionettes. Lion tells a range of stories from the surreal to the sublime with an often dark but uplifting twist. Um, Lion is a is somebody who I have the great privilege of calling friend. Um, he is probably one of the most talented puppet builders, puppet performers. He's, he's the total package. There's nothing that this guy can't do, and every single thing he does is fantastic. Between his films that he's made, um, he's won Unima Awards, which is like our big award that we give out for puppetry for several of his films. Um, he's the artistic director of the Columbia Marionette Theater. He is somebody who I have just a ridiculous amount of respect for, to the point where his talent makes me sick. Uh, <laughs> and I wish that he would share some for the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> He is he is that good. It is if you go see the show, it's going to blow your mind. Um, I have literally been in the audience in times that he's been performing and have somebody just suddenly out loud kind of realize what he was doing and be like, "Holy shit!" Like just at the top, <laughs> like like just completely vocalizing their brain, just like figuring it out. Um, I've, that's literally happened. Uh, he is he is a consummate craftsman. Um, I would love for you to have him on the show sometime. He's also a huge Transformers geek, so you can like talk about puppets and you can talk about Transformers. Um, if you want to get your Transformers guy on there, uh, I I think that would be awesome. Um, Lions Lions amazing. Um, he's saving one of his pieces uh, for the slam, but everything in Solitary Stories is going to be completely incredible. Um, that's in the small room. That's an A703. I wanted it to be intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is in the small room. So that room only seats like a hundred and something people. Yeah. So come see the show, get there early and then stay because right after solitary stories is up past bedtime with Bean and Bear. Yes. One of my favorite uh, so things. Yeah, so Bean and One Bear have new officially graduated things. from secret show to, uh, being in the track room this year. Um, Bean and Bear will be back with a brand new show, um, you know, uh, past bedtime. I mean, if you haven't seen a Bean and Bear show, it's kind of hard to describe, <laughs> but I guarantee you, you'll be entertained. It's, uh, yeah, you're right. I'm not even going to try and describe it, but, but it is, it is fantastic. It's fun. It's very heavily crowd interactive. And uh, it's fortunate that you brought Bean and Bear to Dragon Con uh, due to the uh, loss of Puppet Improv. Now I have yeah. another thing that I can love that happens at night. So, yeah, um, 11.30, wear your pajamas, um, get ready to be silly and have a lot of fun. And I, I uh, have I have my pajamas, and they're going to be a secret unless you see me at uh, Bean and Bear. All right, secret pajamas. Secret pajamas. Uh, then we wrap up the night with the Atlanta Film Festival shorts from the puppetry category. So come and check out all the best films in the puppetry category from the Atlanta Film Festival this year. And that is Friday. Moving into uh, Saturday morning, the parade happens. the The puppetry track will not be participating in the parade this year. Really? No. Um. 
basically the deal with the parade is that I really have to have somebody who isn't me really sort of like champion wanting to be in the parade and take mm. charge of it. Um, I don't have the bandwidth. Right. And, you know, in times when we've had like when we had Carol Spinney in, in, in the parade, you know, we really mobilized to to support Carol and do a big Sesame Street, you know, big bird thing. Um, but without a without a big name guest in the parade this year, um, without somebody who really was super passionate about sort of heading it up and organizing it. I've just got too many, you know, I've just got too many irons in the fire right? Um, to do it. So this year we don't have an official presence. Um, so if you wanted to walk in the puppetry group in the parade this year, sorry. Uh, we'll probably do it again in the future, but not this year. But uh, as soon as the parade is over, um, you can go and do our Create a Puppet Workshop Dragons. It's the same design as it is last year, so it's a golden... Uh, version of the DragonCon logo dragon, uh, you know, fun for all ages. You know, it takes about twenty minutes. Uh, Stacy Gordon will be there to help you make your dragon puppet, and Aretta Baumgartner, uh, who's our uh, both a volunteer for the puppetry track and the education director at the Center for Puppetry Arts. And Lion Hill himself has also said that he will be there oh, to cool. help kids make dragon puppets. Yeah, so um, go and, and make a puppet and if you if you've got kids it's an excellent activity to do to sort of cool down after the parade um, you know it's it's super fun super easy everybody has a great time and if you're not interested in making a puppet then I encourage you to check out finding the character's voice at the same time in the puppetry track room this will be led by Marty Robinson Annie Evans and mr. Paul Rudolph now Paul is uh, the music director of Sesame Street now, he's not really uh, an official puppetry guest. He's actually here at DragonCon this year because his band, Glank, is one of the DragonCon bands this year. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so Glank is super cool. It's kind of hard to describe. It's like um, heavy percussion science music. Like, it's really, like, <laughs> it's really about the science of sound. Mm-hmm. Um it's a little blue man groupy in the sense that it like it, it's heavy on the percussion, but it's basically like they've taken um, propane canisters and other and buzzsaw blades and other strange objects uh, and are playing them. They all, they all wear like hazmat suits, uh, white hazmat suits, not yellow hazmat suits. I might point out. Sure, sure. Um, you know, uh, and and it's so they're they're doing two performances. One is more of like a regular stage show, and the other one has heavy audience interaction. Oh. So you're going to – like they'll give you stuff, and I guess you play along, whatever. It, like it looks super cool. Look up the videos online. It looks super rad. Uh, anyway, so Paul and Marty and Annie are going to do Finding the Character's Voice on Saturday morning. That is about creating uh, unique and memorable voices um, for characters. Uh, so this is a panel that's designed not only for puppeteers, but also for voice actors, uh, doing animation, doing, doing whatever. Um, one of the really cool things that's going to happen is that Annie will be there with Sesame Street scripts. And, oh, wow. and some, some lucky individuals will get to basically like work on character voices. Like what is Oscar? Why does Oscar sound the way he does? Why does Big Bird sound the way he does? So like, you know, talking about things that are completely out of the box for puppetry track. This is something that's, I think, 
very relevant to people who necessarily aren't interested in puppetry but are interested in performing. Um, it's a very, very cool opportunity. I don't, you know, this is the kind of thing that's very unique to this year because we had Paul and we had Annie and we have Marty, uh, and they kind of like Voltroned this incredible idea for a panel together <laughs> between the three of them. Yeah. Um, so something, just something really unique, uh, and, and I think a great experience. It's worth checking out. So that'll be Saturday morning. Um, after that, one of our other guests who I have not announced yet, uh, that I'm going to do right now is Ooh. John Tartaglia. So uh, Saturday at 1 o'clock in the track room is John Tartaglia Puppeteer. Uh, John joined the cast of Sesame Street at the age of 16. He was the youngest cast member to be to be hired at that point. And since then, his career has taken him to Broadway and beyond uh, as a puppeteer, writer, producer, uh, and director. So John, he has done just – he's had an incredible career between starting out on Sesame Street at such a young age – he then he's performed in Shrek the Musical as Pinocchio and the the Magic Mirror on Broadway. Um, he has his own show uh, called um, what's the name? Is uh, Ocean Imagine Ocean that was heavily in, that heavily influenced the show that's on TV right now called Splash and Bubbles that local Atlanta puppeteer Raymond Carr is on uh, with the Jim Henson Company. Yes. Um, so he's going to talk about his career uh, and just sort of do that, like, my career talk, this is where I come from, this is what I do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, actually, no, at the same time, so thankfully I think this is different enough audiences, but at the same time is the Killer Clowns from Outer Space panel in the Imperial Ballroom. So this will be the Kyoto Brothers talking about the cult classic Killer Clowns from Outer Space Check it out. It's going to be totally awesome. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there. I really wanted to give out free cotton candy. Um, and <laughs> I was bet Dragon Con was, Dragon Con. Yeah, I bet they oh, frown oh. on giving out food, any kind food of food thing. or anything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've, I really felt like I could find a cotton candy sponsor for that. <laughs> um, womp womp. Anyway, uh, so Killer Cons from Outer Space, super excited about that. Um, after that, it's a big, gigantic all-star panel of uh, creature performers. So basically, like, all of our different creature people are all coming together to be on one panel. Okay. So it'll be the Kyotos, it'll be Nick Malley from Star Wars, and Tim Clark called Creature Design, the Beginnings of Animatronics and the Secret of Soft Mechanics. So if you want to see all these really, really cool people with different approaches to the industry all on one panel together, that's the one. Uh, after that... It's John Tartaglia's back with the evolution of digital puppetry. So this will be uh, a talk about from the original Waldo controls that were used uh, and developed on Fraggle Rock, then Labyrinth, and then the Ninja Turtles movies, and then going fully digital uh, with shows like Word Party, Sid the Science Kid, and now Splash and Bubbles. Um, this is a big talk. If you're interested in the art of digital puppetry, this is the place to be. Oh, Very okay. Yeah. Uh, after that, actually, no, at the same time, is a stop-motion panel, the stop-motion of Leica. So this is Toby Froud, who uh, has been a fa- had a fantastic career uh, you know, outside of his parents. He worked on Kubo and the Two Strings, Box Trolls, and Paranorman for Leica. Oh, I, uh, I was not aware of that at all. Surprise! That's very cool. Yeah, so we have some cool stop-motion stuff this year because of that, too, which is a little out of the box for us. Um, so, yeah, so it comes... Come see Toby talk about what it was like to work on all of those three movies, which are all fantastic. Yeah. Especially Kubo. Kubo is awesome. Um, then we have Lisa is back with the Dark Crystal fandom forever. 
So this is the big talk about um, how Dark Crystal is sort of how its fandom has kept it alive over the years since the film. And then they had the writers contest, um, the fan, the fan contest. And so, uh, they'll talk about how that worked, how the, that submission process worked out. And then Lisa is the executive producer on the upcoming, the dark crystal age of resistance show for Netflix. So you might see something really cool. Oh wow! About the new show. Ooh. And I don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> um, uh, it'll be a big surprise for everybody. So whatever they have, um, hopefully they'll have something really cool to show us. Uh, at the same time um, is the Kyoto Brothers Man, Team America World Police. Really did double book everything, didn't you? We did a lot of double. There's a ton. I mean, there's a ton of programming this year. There's like programming is like spilling all over the place. <laughs> um, uh, it truly is. So, uh, Team America World Police panel. Um, it's more relevant than ever. Um, right. So come and take. Uh, you know, come and check out how those crazy marionettes were done, and hear all the ridiculous stories. Like how the set department put a roof on one of the sets. Which doesn't work for marionettes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that'll be cool. If you're a fan of the movie, this will be really cool. Like you know, in you know what, what how how all the puppets were created. Obviously, you know it's a huge homage to Thunderbirds and and, and those kind of shows. Um, so come check that out. Uh, after that is puppetry on Broadway, where um, uh, John Tartagli and Marty are going to talk about. Their work with Little Shop of Horror, Shrek the Musical, Beauty and the Beast. Um, uh, forgot to mention this. John was also the original performer and helped develop the character of Rod on Avenue Q. Um, so he'll talk about that if you're a big Avenue Q fan. This is like how that character was created. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, then we go to the Timey Wimey Puppet Show with the incredible Mike Horner with a yes. brand new... A brand new Doctor Who puppet show, all new stuff. Uh, this year will include a TARDIS sing-along, extreme Doctor makeovers, and a Dalek quiz show. In this family-friendly favorite presented by Mike Corner. Now, i got to tell you this, guys. Um, Mike's been our guest for, like, at least the last three years, mm-hmm. if not more. And um, Mike has since become the taken over as artistic director of the Paul Mesner puppet company in Kansas, where he works. And those responsibilities are pretty much keeping him from doing a lot of this touring around doing the timey-wimey stuff anymore. So I have it on pretty good authority that this will be – that Mike won't be ne- won't be back next year. So if you really want to see oh, wow. uh, Mike's, Mike's shows, so definitely come check them out this year. They're um, – you know, it's so good. He, he is He is – you know, these shows, when we get the feedback out of the app every year, Mike's shows are the most popular thing that isn't like our Brian Henson level guest. Well, and he's, you know, not only is he a tremendously creative and entertaining performer, but he's also just a super nice guy. Yes, he is. Um, so come and check it out. If you love Doctor Who, if you want to laugh, these jokes, these jokes were literally written for you. So 
Come and check it out. You will laugh your bot off. I, I, I guarantee it. Uh, after that, it is because there. Uh, after that is using paper and puppetry. So this is a team up with Lion Hill and Mr. Tim Clark. Um, they'll demonstrate methods for creating puppets using paper, a cheap and plentiful and surprisingly versatile construction material. Um, Tim will talk about um, building prototypes for puppets out of paper, oh. and Lion will talk about building finished puppets for paper because he uses a lot of uh, puppets made out of paper in his films. So, you know, they don't have to stand up to, like, lots of performances. Right. Um, and, and Lion's style is really incredible. And so if you see his work, this is this is a great panel. So if you saw Solitary Stories and you saw some of his puppetry in that, this is a cool panel to sort of, like, get behind, like, how he did it. Um, and then Tim, you know, has pitched toy lines to Mattel and, and Coleco and, and these, you know, big companies at the time – can show you how to make prototypes and things like that. So this will be useful for prototyping your own puppets um, at home um, as well as uh, all sorts of uses. Well, and that's one of the coolest things about Dragon Con is if you, you know, I, everybody should take a chance and go check something out on, I'd say on like Friday, pick a panel that, Sounds cool, but maybe you don't necessarily know who the presenter is or, or don't know a whole lot about the topic. And if if you go and you love it, that person's doing other stuff like right. throughout the weekend, and you, you may have found like a new love just by taking a chance on something. Absolutely. Sound advice, Phantom. Hey, I do what I can. That's right. Uh, at that point, we move into our sort of adult uh, puppet show time of the night so at 10 o'clock we have honorable mention with the hilarious vanessa valliere in this hilarious one-woman show performance artist vanessa valliere uses puppetry clowning and doll parts to tell stories of failure and success um i know vanessa because i went to the international puppetry festival in chicago two years ago okay no more than that more than that uh anyway so i saw vanessa perform there and she was just one of the funniest things I'd seen. I mean, she had me laughing my ass off. And I'm a pretty good judge of puppet comedy um, <laughs> at this point. So so I made it my business to introduce myself to Vanessa. And then I brought her down to Atlanta for the Valentine's Day um, Puck and Puppet Show last year. And then she was featured in the National Puppet Slam just recently at the Puppeteers of America Festival. And so this is um, her one-woman show. It's going to be amazing and hilarious. Uh, I love her work. I encourage everyone to go see it. You will be laughing your ass off. Um, it's She's an incredible performer. She has got such incredible comic timing. She absolutely understands exactly what to do and when for the greatest comic effect with an audience. Um, if you really want to see just a masterful, masterful performance, come and check this show out. She's incredible. Um, after that is, uh, Dana Samborski's Fernway. So Wait, this what was is that show, again? huh? Fernway? Is that what you said? Yeah, it's, it's okay. a weird word. Uh, F-E-R-N, like normal fern, and then W-E-H. I think it's oh. like Gaelic or something. Okay. Um, so, uh, it's hard to describe, so I'll just read the description. Visit a world of daft knights, talking animals, and gender-fluid gingerbread men. 
uh, or sorry, gender, gender fluid gingerbread folk in this modern fairy tale epic. A bridge troll gets bored of his life at home and takes off on one last storybook adventure. Tag along on this parlor show that's one part Shrek and one part Death of a Salesman. Okay. So this show has a special place in my heart because uh, I had the opportunity at the O'Neill Puppetry Conference, which we've mentioned on the show a couple of times, yes. to work with Dana when he was developing this show. And our work uh, at that conference, it was literally me and Dana locked in a room for a week and crawling inside each other's brains. Um, it was one of the most artistically fulfilling experiences of my entire life. And this is the show that was developed based on our work. Oh, wow. Um, so the show is personal to me. Um it's very personal to Dana. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really wild and crazy, uh, and it is in the small venue because it's designed to be like a parlor. What we what we refer to as parlor shows, which are puppet shows that are designed to be performed in a small, intimate environment. Okay. Um, it's it's. I saw the first. I saw it for the first time at a puppetry festival a couple years ago, finally seeing a finished product and I couldn't be more proud to have been a part of it. It's, it's excellent. Um, come and check it out. It's really good. Uh, it's one man, one man show. Dana is up there, you know, doing the whole thing. And I guarantee you'll, you've never seen anything like it and you'll have a great time. Cool. Um, after that, we wrap up the evening once again with some films. It's puppetry and motion pictures. Uh, so this is where we started to show random puppet shorts um, from members of the track that have stuff to see or have submitted stuff to us as well as stuff that we just have that we like that we want to show. Okay. Uh, then it is Sunday. Uh, we start Sunday with clowning and puppetry. So this is Alex and Sarah from Milo the Magnificent and Vanessa Valier. And this has been an interesting thing I've done this year where I've kind of teamed people up who don't know each other. That have never met, but I think would really get along, like Lion and Tim and, and Vanessa and, and, and Sarah and Alex. Um, so this is a, a sort of a very, very heavy on performance. So, I mean, this is relevant to performers. This is relevant to people who are interested in clowning, interested in puppetry. Um, the description is, amplify your physicality, explode the space. Learn how to use your body to become a better puppeteer. The audience is your most vital relationship on stage. We will help you activate your storytelling potential to communicate directly and with pizzazz. Oh, I like pizzazz. I honestly, Phantom, if this, you know, this is a Sunday at Sunday at ten a.m., but I think you'd actually get a lot out of this. Uh, I, as a, I as don't a think you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, so you know. Depending on how you're feeling Sunday morning, consider checking it out. Well, considering uh, we've got a game show that's going to run until about one thirty in the morning on Saturday. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, but Sunday's going to be a tough, tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you have other people that, you know, like if you're interested in performing, I think you'll get a lot out of that panel. Um, then we have uh, Making Sesame Street. So this is a very nuts and bolts panel about um, – because we have writers and music directors uh, as well as puppeteers – this year, this panel will basically go into how an episode of Sesame Street is created from very start to finish. Oh, wow. So from so Annie will talk about what it's like to write it and then moving into rehearsals, moving into writing the music and how it all comes together at the end. So this is totally not like your typical puppetry, you know, big name, you know, uh, property panel where we talk about the puppet – where we basically we talk about the puppets. Right. This is really this talking is about process. what it's like to make – TV, 
and so specifically show as iconic as Sesame Street. And and this, I mean, that's the sort of thing. Like you can't just go somewhere and take a class in that. Absolutely not, and certainly not from these folks. Yeah, so that's a really it's a really unique opportunity. Um, Sunday, 10 a.m. Imperial Ballroom. Very cool. Um, then we do So You Want to Be a Puppeteer, which we usually do. So this panel is about, um, uh, you know, how to get involved with puppetry. If you're interested, uh, we'll talk about um, opportunities that are available. The Yukon Puppetry Arts Program at University of Connecticut, our organization, Puppeteers of America, the National Puppetry Conference, your local guild, Um Pretty much the options that are available to you if you want to get involved in puppetry for real. If, if you don't want to just like sit around and make YouTube videos, if you really want to get involved, um, these, these are the opportunities that are available to you. Um, after that, Phantom is back. Yes. The puppetry track. Yes. For puppets as toys, the Boglins and Sectars. Take oh, away man. Phantom. This is, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't pick favorites out of panels because it, it's not fair. It's like picking children. But you know, and anybody listening knows that '80s toys are, you know, the, one of my favorite things in the world. And Boglins and Sectars were huge, huge, huge. And the fact that I'm finally getting to meet uh, Timothy Clark, who created both of those toy lines, is is blowing my mind. And the fact that I'm getting to work with him on panels is just tremendous. Uh, but Boglins, one of the greatest toy lines of all time. Uh, and not only that, Timothy Clark has a table at DragonCon and will be selling. Well, new- let me, let me help you rephrase what Tim oh. has been putting out there. Oh, okay. Please put the, yeah, uh, Tim put the does not have track. a table. Okay. Tim is, is part of the puppetry track merch booth table. Okay. That okay. we traditionally have. Where people who are involved in the track can sell stuff. Tim does not have his own table. He is sharing a table or sharing the, the, the several tables that we have for the puppetry merch booth. And I, and I know that Tim doesn't exactly understand that. Uh, Wait, even which though is I understandable because Dragon Con is, yeah. is very, very particular about how merchandise and other things are yes. presented. Um, he, you know, Having your own table to sell stuff at DragonCon in the dealer's room is very expensive. Right. Um, it is a sizable financial commitment. Um, and the puppetry track booth is, that is not what it's intended for. It's, in, you know, it's intended for people who are, um, you know, coming to DragonCon to make some of that money back that it costs to be there. Right. Uh, we've invited Tim to be a part of the table. So Tim will have Boglins and cool stuff, uh, for sale at the table. But just to be clear, it's not like Tim's table. It's right. Tim with all the rest of everybody involved in the puppetry track who wants to sell stuff. Um, just to be clear. Yes, absolutely. And clarity is very, very important. But the bottom line is there will be all new Boglins uh, that Tim has made himself uh, available at DragonCon. And not only that, but there might be a sneak peek surprise news at the end of the panel yes there there will definitely be uh things to be learned about uh the the stuff Fu- that Timothy future things yes exactly yes. exactly but you'll you'll have to show up for the panel uh which is puppets as toys the boglins and sectars it's sunday at 1 p.m 
uh, in Marriott A704. Uh, and you'll, you'll have to be there to find out. Uh, you will have to be there. Now, speaking of more unfortunate conflicts, oh, there is, I know. I know, I know, I'm sorry. Um, there is another thing going on at the same time, which is Mike's Star Wars show. I know, which yeah, I have, so- again, me, uh, me and Mike Horner, uh, our paths are not destined to cross. Yeah, sorry, uh, it's, it's how it had to go. It's Dragon um, Con. It's Dragon Con. So, you, Dragon Con, just like life, Dragon Con is full of difficult choices. Yes. Um, so, uh, Mike will be back with uh, his Star Wars show, and this year it is a very merry Death Star holiday special. Uh. Yes. So, celebrate Life Day in this puppet parody of the 1978 Star Wars holiday special. Go caroling with Chewbacca and Yoda. Find out how the droids celebrate the holidays, and join Luke and Leia as they shop for the gift of the Jedi. Galactic fun for all ages. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> So if uh, if if you don't want to come listen to to Phantom and, and Tim talk about awesome toys, um, and, and and if you if you've got kids who like Star Wars, basically, um, you know, go go see go see Mike and his show, and it's going to be awesome. Um, Find out what to get a Wookiee for Christmas. Exactly, um, and don't just get him a hairbrush. It's like getting your dad a tie for yeah. Father's Day. Yeah, seriously, come you know, on, people. Frankly, it's insulting. It is. Um, uh, after that, we have uh, the, one of the mainstays of the puppetry track, puppetry for TV and film. So this is the workshop we do every year that teaches you monitor technique. And monitor technique is what we in the industry call the ability to perform not looking at the puppet, but looking into the camera feed. Um, so this is the way that all of Henson – this is the basically the style of puppetry that Henson invented – um, and it's the way that they shoot Sesame Street, Muppet Show, and, and all that kind of stuff. And let me just tell you from personal experience, it's hard as shit. It is not intuitive. That's why you have to train because <laughs> everything's backwards and upside down. And yeah, it is not. It is not intuitive. You do have to be trained. Um, and so this year's puppetry for TV and film workshop will be led by the lovely Stacey Gordon and the handsome Marty Robinson. So. Uh, to, it's a really great opportunity to learn from really, really talented people. Marty's been teaching, you know, monitor work. He trains, you know, he trains new Sesame puppeteers, um, you know, and, and, uh, it's a great opportunity if you're, if you're, if you really want to learn how to do this. Um, and so many people, when they get involved in puppetry, they want to do, they want to do like the Muppets. And this is how you learn to do that. So come check it out. Awesome. Um, after that, we have the Kyoto Brothers Stop Motion Animation Projects. So that would be stuff like the Large Marge sequence from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, as well as a ton of the other stop motion stuff they've done. Um, and once again, I think they're going to show some stuff that's never been really shown before that's not out there in the public. So come and check that out. After that, it is puppet coaching and characterization, which is the opposite of the extreme puppet makeover panel, where where you break into small groups with professional puppeteers, and they will give you um, constructive criticism on your characters. Ah. So this is really about, you know, going beyond the step of saying, hey, I've got a monkey puppet. His name's Bingo. Um, to really figure out who these puppets are and bring um, much more character depth to uh, your performance. What does Bingo characters. want? Why does Bingo, what does Bingo love, want? What is what, Bingo afraid of? Why does Bingo love spaghetti so much? Exactly. Exactly. So if you have your puppets... Bring your puppets to puppet coaching and characterization. Uh, and then once again, this is an event that's really for people with puppets. While it might be interesting to sit up against the wall and listen, this is really for people who have their own puppets. Yeah. 
Um, those are the people who are going to get the most out of it. Uh, then I'm super excited about the Critters panel because I love oh Critters. Oh, my gosh, right. So the Kyoto Brothers will be doing a panel all about their incredibly awesome cult film series, Critters, which was a mainstay of my childhood, um, and I'm super excited. Then the track basically shuts down um, at 8 o'clock on Sunday, and we start getting ready for the slam to put on the best show that we possibly can for all of you wonderful people, especially the ones of you who get in line like three hours, four hours early. <laughs> right. Um, this year, Mr. Dana Samborski is in charge of pre-line entertainment, so Dana will be leading the charge of crazy puppeteers going up and down the line to entertain you because we think that's important. Um so then it'll be the slam um, Sunday night, Peachtree Ballroom in the West End at midnight. Uh, Bob and Carl, will co- the sci-fi janitors, will come out of their cryogenic retirement stasis uh, <laughs> to host the show that is going to be crazy this year. We've got um, pretty big plans. I don't want to get into any specific details because I want it to be a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but come and check it out. It's, uh, it's going to be awesome. It, uh, it always is. It's one of the best events of the convention for a lot of people. Um, come and check it out. Well, aside from things that I am actually like part of, it is literally the only can't miss event at Dragon Con for me. Thank you, Phantom. Uh, hey, you've—I mean, you—you you earned every bit of that, it, regardless well, of whether it was your baby or not, or whether we were buddies or not. That show is the, one of the highlights of my year. Well, this year, I think definitely with the, a lot of the solo artists that we have, like Alex and Sarah with Milo and, you know, um, Dana and Vanessa and Lion and, and those guys, I think that you're really going to see some really great stuff this year. I mean, um, we just got a bunch of really talented people, um, and they're going to get up there and, and entertain the hell out of you. And then we will drag our asses into Sunday. Oh, boy. Or, no, sorry, drag Monday, our asses into Monday. Monday yes. Um, so 10 a.m. on Monday is Lot Reiniger, pioneer film animator and puppeteer. So uh, a lot of people don't know this, um, but Snow White and the Seven Doors was not the first uh, animated full-length animated film. Uh, it was in fact Prince Ach- the Adventures of Prince Ahmed, created by a woman named Lot Reiniger. Oh um, wow! Her career spanned 60 years, but little is known about this pioneer animator and puppeteer. Um, so we have uh, Whitney Grace who has written a book on uh, on Mr. Reiniger presenting this panel. So this is uh, one of those things that's like very obscure, cool puppet history that a lot of people don't know about. And we are completely thrilled that, that, that Whitney was interested in, in presenting this panel um, to talk about both her book and just about um, this incredible, you know, woman who pioneered uh, an art form that, I mean, you know, would not exist without her influence. Um, so very, very, very cool. Um, so then we move into, so you want to build a puppet. So this is a Q and a Q and a only panel. Um, we'll have a, a, a panel of professional puppet builders come in with your questions about projects you're working on and get answers from the best. Pretty straightforward. Cool. Yeah. Um, then, uh, Alex Vernon and Sarah Olmstead were presenting. Let's talk about mechs, baby. Uh, <laughs> is that your, is that your title? No, that was Alex's. That's really tremendous. So this is about mechanisms. So, you know, you know, a huge part of puppet building and puppet fabrication is engineering. Um, this is how those eyes blink. This is how those mouths move. This is how those eyebrows wiggle. 
Um, it's not just put your hand in a sock and, and you know, make it talk. Right. Um, there's a lot of really, really complicated engineering that goes into uh, certain types of puppets as well as uh, automata, automatons that Alex is very experienced with. So if you want to get like – so we we're, we're going to set up a camera so he can show like small things um, in front of the camera projected up on the projection screen. All the small um, things? I'm sorry. Yeah, like little mechanisms that are like small and inside puppets that you can so you can see them I, as I, opposed to like passing them around the room. Or I just whatever. made a horrible Blink One Eighty Two reference. Oh, and well, I regretted why I didn't get it. I regretted it immediately. That's okay. I forgive you. Um, and then once again, uh, the incredible Aretta Baumgartner will bring us home with Puppetry One Hundred One for adults. Uh, we have cut Puppetry One Hundred One for kids this year due to um, just space. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are only doing Puppetry 101 for kids. This is for ages 16 and up. This is not for teaching kids puppetry. This is for adults. Um, so please come and learn the basics. Uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the puppetry track at Dragon Con for 2017. Man, you, <laughs> you really did double up like every single time slot you had. Almost. You are going to lose your mind. Uh, well, but not really, because you I get have to... a very incredible staff of, of volunteers to help me navigate. Yeah, uh, you do, and, and you I could not. To... I, I got to say, I could not do this without my two assistant directors, my technical director Whitney Carnes and my guest director Elizabeth Leary. Um, they are the rocks on which I stand uh, to to do this. I could absolutely not do it without them. Um, I will mention a couple of other cross promoted things real quick. Yeah, man. Um, that are happening in other tranks. Obviously, the Glank shows. Go see Glank. Um, 9 p.m. on Friday and 8 p.m. on Saturday. Go check out those. Um, Paul Rudolph is going to do a panel um, about making instruments in the Maker Track, um, which is so like that's kind of how they made the stuff for Glank. The Costuming Track is going to do a panel on costuming puppet hybrids. So, like, costumes that incorporate elements of puppetry into them. Oh, uh, nice. Star Wars is going to have Behind the Most Icely Cantina Creatures with Nick Malley. The horror track is going to have a, a panel on the film, the horror film Life Force. Oh, check that out. I'm so um, mad because I was supposed to be moderating that. And they, uh, had to move, they, well, they had to move it to 10 p.m. on Saturday because Life Force has nudity. Yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't understand how any horror track, anything... Is during the day, right? If that's if that's the standard, right? That's, if anything that, that is supposed to be adult, like how do you talk about and and far far people be it getting for, chopped in half? Far be it from me to judge the standards by which Dragon Con is held, but uh, if if that's the standard, then then yeah. So I don't really I, I don't get that. Oh, anyway. and I especially um, don't get it because I I watched Life Force uh, recently with our pal Oz, and it's so good, you guys. See, I'll go check out the panel. Go check out the Life Force panel. Uh, the horror track will be doing a behind the grease paint of Bad, bad Clowns, a sort of evil clown panel that the some of the Kyotos will be on. Which I am moderating. Oh, very good. It's it's, it's the Kyotos and uh, Larry Hama, who oh. had a character named Obnoxio the Clown in a very early sort of satirical magazine. So it's it's one of his lesser known works, but I'm excited to. To talk to them, and also uh, James A. Moore and Benjamin Radford will be on that as well. It's going to be a big panel, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, what what the hell went wrong with clowns. 
Right. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Nick will also be doing the untold story of the creation of Star Wars as Yoda. Um, so Nick's got a, you know a couple other things on the on the Star Wars track to check out. Uh, the Kroll panel Sunday uh, with Mr. Nick Malley, and then there's a practical effects in a, a CG world uh, panel as well. Um, that's in, got some of those uh, creature folks on it. But uh, other than that, that's 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 pretty much it. Come and check us out at the Puppet Track. Come buy stuff at the booth. It supports our, our awesome artists. Um, well, and, and, I, will, and I will oh, say... Oh, oh, there will also oh. be... Uh, do, 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 do. Why is this not on here? Uh, there will also be um, Saturday at 1 p.m. in the dealer's room at the Insight Editions booth. That's booth 910. Insight Editions booth, oh. number 910. Okay. Saturday at 1 o'clock. What's happening? Um, just like last year, Inside Editions released the Ultimate Labyrinth Visual History book. It's an f- incredibly, beautifully put-together book talking all about how Labyrinth was made. This year, and, and DragonCon is going to be one of the first places you can buy it, is the Dark Crystal Ultimate Visual History book. Oh, nice. It'll be on sale in the booth at... One o'clock on Saturday, both Lisa Henson and Tim Clark will be there to do autographs in the book. Oh, that's awesome! And these are like these these super fancy like coffee Very. table edition, like gorgeous, glossy, lots of references. Probably very much like Tim Clark's Instagram feed. Yeah, uh, last year the Labyrinth book sold out. So if you want to go get it and get it autographed, uh, I know that they ran out of copies of the book. While Brian was doing autographs, yeah. Um, yeah. So get to the booth, get to it early. I would really recommend buying your book in advance and then coming back for the autograph. Yes, if it, yes. If it, if it plays out anything like last year, get the book first, then come back for the autograph session. Very smart. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, that's it, man. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, I am super duper excited. Not not just for. Uh, the, the stuff that I'm doing for the puppetry track, which uh, I'm super duper excited that uh, I'm actually like an official doing things with the puppetry track Yay! guy and, and not just, uh, you know, setting chairs up or something, <laughs> but which I love that as well, though, because as we've often discussed, like helping out with anything at Dragon Con is rewarding. Absolutely. It's, it's all awesome, but uh, man, you've you've just got a great lineup this year, and it's Thank it's. You. I love knowing that you're, and I, I know you love it when when the conference is in town at the same time. But uh, I, I like knowing that you're maybe going to be able to enjoy Dragon Con a little bit more. You're, you're going to be able to have yeah. your feet on the ground a little more. Absolutely. The, I mean, it's crazy. Like when I have to go over to the center, and I'm not physically there it's so weird yeah it's so weird to go off site um that's the one year i left because once once i started staying on site uh there has only been one occasion where i have left the the hotel grouping and it was to go see uh lasexoflex's final show uh over at i can't remember the name of the club something unicorn i think uh, but it was it was their last show, so I had to go. So I left Dragon Con. I got in a cab and and went over there, and it was it was really odd. I was like, this just isn't right. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, but and it was totally worth my while. Obviously, 
But there was still the whole time this feeling of like, what am I missing? What is happening without me? You know what I mean. Right. So this year, Dragon Con gets full Bo Brown and Bo Brown gets full Dragon Con. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be in the gaming room. I'm going to go do my, you know, go do my gaming room stuff at night. Going to go where's, play games with strangers. Where's the gaming room now? Hmm? Where's the gaming now? It's no longer in the Hilton, is it? No, it, it moved over to America's Mart. Right, right. And that happened um, like a couple years ago or something. Yeah, although they they learned their lesson about programming, and there will be no programming in the America's Mart this year. Yes, which that I, was I a think that is, was a an admirable but failed experiment. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that but that's yeah, that stuff doesn't always go down super well. But it is one of the good things about Dragon Con is they're constantly trying new things to try and make it as good as it can be for everyone. And you know, sometimes yep. it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I got over to the gaming room over in the America's Mart at night, you know, probably almost every night last year, and you know, it's yeah, you just have to walk out of the front of the Hyatt, and there you are, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not that it's big not, a deal. It's not the worst. I mean, I miss it being in the Hilton because it was close. Well, because um, it was close, and because that basement was just, it, it had this weird magical quality to it. Yeah, but there's more room. There's more room over yeah. in the America's Mart. So you know, there you go. All right, well, I think that is everything. Uh, Mr. Bo Brown, thank you for coming on the show and talking about the puppetry track once again. Thanks for having me, Phantom. And, I'm looking and, forward to uh, seeing you soon in person. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you either next week or tomorrow. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Good journey. Yes. Saturday night at midnight, come to the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. And and just to be clear, call it Saturday night at 11.59 p.m. Uh, well, you, and you want to start lining up. Look, Dragon Con's official line is that you have to start lining up an hour beforehand. Or you can't start lining up any earlier than that. We all know how that goes, right? Uh, I, I just show up, show up when you feel you need to show up for a midnight version of the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. I can't guarantee anybody's going to get in because every year we've turned people away. Uh, the last two years, or last year, we got a ballroom, an actual ballroom, and we turned away just as many people as we had from the track room. And I'll be honest, I expect to turn just as many people away this year and, and it's it's all capacity man it, it's all about uh how many people dragon con estimates we can pack in and you know they can't go crazy they can't go give us like a 2,000 person ballroom or something when the prior year we had a 250 person ballroom so this year it's almost twice as big we'll get a lot more people in but i guarantee we'll turn probably close to as many people away so be ready for that but that's that's my baby me me and miss lady flex had a, a dirty funny baby together with our brains and this is what it is and and rad ranger and popeye the sailor moon helped reach inside of us and deliver this baby to you the audience and we're very proud of our baby so come and look at it and take pictures and uh, you might get some stuff on me. I love you guys.
Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.